0: If that experience occurs on the very first time that horse is travelled in a horse float, that horse is going to be much more frightened of the horse float and problematic to load next time than if that accident occurs after the horse has been travelled many, many times uneventfully and is comfortable with the horse float prior to the accident happening. I'd like to start by paying my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is made, the Pindarup people, and to recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their culture and honour their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of My Horse Taught Me That, the podcast all about equine behaviour, horse-human relationships and training concepts that help us to build not only an amazing relationship with our horse but with the other animals and people in our lives too. I'm your host, Sarah Jackson from Equestrian Balance and I'm an equine behaviour geek. I'm going to teach you how to get the behaviour that you want Whilst also building the relationship that you want with your horse, the doors are open, my friends. If you are keen to really dive into what makes our horses tick, and how to build an amazing relationship with your horse, then this is your cue to enrol in my signature online program, Learn to Speak Horse. This fully supported eight-week program officially starts on saturday the 2nd of september that's this week so if you're keen don't delay enrollment closes midnight on the 31st of august 2023 first impressions count When my son was about six months old, I took him for his first swimming lesson. I was so excited. You know, I couldn't wait to see him splashing in the water with the other babies. And it was so fun. We started out in the little shallow pool. There was lots of toys and singing and pouring water over their arms and their shoulders and over their head and letting them get used to the feel of the water. And they were splashing and shrieking and and loving it. Then we moved out into the deeper pool. And so it was probably just deep on me and we were kind of getting them to float and obviously we were supporting them and we wanted them to reach for the toys so there was lots of different toys scattered around and you know they were having like an absolute blast reaching for the toys and splashing and generally making lots of shrieky happy baby noises and it was super fun and then the instructor said to us okay I want you to line all the babies up sit them up on the wall and I'm going to come along and push them all in and I was like, what? <laughs> like, say what now? <laughs> like, No, that's not going to happen. Like, that is going to really frighten him. That's the exact opposite of the whole reason I brought him here in the first place. And my heart starts beating faster. Like, I'm not prepared for a confrontation here. Like, I came here for a lovely time. I didn't come here to have an argument with someone, but I'm not letting you push him in the water. And so I didn't quite know what to do. So I just kind of took him out. You know, away from the edge, and um watched as the other mums lined their little ones up along the edge, and the instructor pushed them in one by one, and one by one, they came back up into their mother's arms, completely silent, big round eyes, watchful, frightened, clinging to their mothers. One kid swallowed water and came up vomiting all of them utterly frightened. She got to the end of the line and she looked at me and sort of, you know, motioned for me to do the same. I said, no, we're not doing that. I think most of us get a visceral response of the wrongness of pushing a baby into a swimming pool because we recognise how traumatic that's likely to be for a baby. You know, getting pushed into this medium that they don't know how to navigate through, completely alone and away from the caregiver that they rely on, unable to breathe, I think we can all imagine how utterly terrifying that's going to be for a little one. Now what makes it even worse is that this was these babies' first experience of swimming. And emotions around the first experience of anything get kind of hardwired into the memory of that experience. So the likelihood of these babies developing a fear of swimming is suddenly much higher because they had this really frightening experience the first time that they were exposed to the swimming pool. And you may recall we talked in a previous episode, back in episode two, about how our brain makes associations. So we're constantly linking circumstances with people, people with emotions, smells with locations. And these associations are particularly strong if the emotion is strong. And it doesn't matter whether that's a pleasurable emotion or an unpleasant emotion the stronger the emotion, the stronger the association that gets made in our brain. So when we get a strong emotion on the first experience of something, it's like a double whammy because A, the emotion's really strong and B, it's our first experience of that situation. And so it's much more likely that a very strong association is going to get made between that strong emotion and that situation because our brain has no other experience of this situation. And so it's very likely that these two things are going to get connected and hardwired into our memory of that experience. So specifically what happens is our brains kind of learn that the situation predicts the emotion. So in this example with my son's swimming lesson, it's likely that swimming pools are going to predict fear for some of these kids. And because our brains are so good at making associations, what can then happen is the things that predict the swimming pool, like it could be entering the building or pulling up into the car park or getting out the swimming bag before we even leave the house can start to predict the fear. And this is where we start to see things unravel a little bit because the child or the animal, the horse, suddenly finds themselves in this situation that they've learned from past experience, predicts fear. So they start to feel anxiety about the fear that that they anticipate. And so they start to try and avoid that situation. And so then we start to get what we would probably term unwanted behaviors because our child or our horse is trying to avoid that situation to go into the swimming pool, to go into the horse float, to go anywhere near the vet who's holding the needle. And if we just stay with this example of a horse that's needle shy or afraid of needles, often what can happen is that it starts out with the horse having an experience where they're not expecting the pain of the needle. They feel the pain of the needle and then they become fearful of that situation where the vet is holding the needle and pressing it to their neck. But then they start to associate the vet with the needle. And so then they start to experience fear if the vet comes for anything. And then perhaps they recognize the vet's car and they start to show the signs of fear when the vet's car drives up in the driveway. And so you can see how this situation can develop. So what's really important for us horse people to realize is that if strong feelings get attached to a first experience of something, like a really traumatic experience or or frightening event, then those Feelings and the associated behaviours can be very difficult to change. And this is one of the ways a horse might develop a fear of getting into the horse float or the horse trailer. For example, if we think about a horse who has a really bad traumatic vehicle accident when they're travelling in the horse float or the horse trailer, if that experience occurs on the very first time that horse is travelled in a horse float, that horse is going to be much more frightened of the horse float and problematic to load next time than if that accident occurs after the horse has been travelled many, many times uneventfully and is comfortable with the horse float prior to the accident happening. And this is why it's so important that we try and manage our horses firsts So the very first time they experience something new, we really want to kind of almost micromanage that situation to make as sure as we can be that nothing is going to go wrong, that nothing is going to cause that horse to become overly fearful or to have any kind of traumatic event during that first experience. We want them to get as many calm, relaxed experiences as we can with that particular situation before they encounter something going wrong. Because in that case, we're going to get much less of an association being made with that situation. So it's really important that we want to do everything that we can to set our horse up for success when we are preparing them to experience a first or anything new for the first time. And so if you haven't already, I do encourage you to go and have a listen to episode three where we talk about setting our horse up for success and we dive into that topic in a lot more detail. Now I'd like to have a look at how some of these emotional associations, particularly negative emotional associations, might get established on a first experience of something. Imagine we want to desensitize our horse to tarpaulins and our horse has never seen a tarpaulin before. So we catch our horse, we lead the horse into the arena, we pick up a tarpaulin and our horse has a massive fear response, pulls back, bolts to the other end of the arena. So if we were to take a photograph at the moment when the horse is sort of pulling back away from that tarpaulin and look at all of the elements in it, We would notice that the horse is in the arena. The horse is wearing a halter and lead rope. The horse is standing in the presence of the owner. The horse is standing in the presence of a tarp. The person is lifting up the tarp and the tarpaulin is moving. So any or all of those elements can become associated with the emotion of fear. Now, typically, it's going to be the most salient or novel element in the environment, in which case we would anticipate that being the tarpaulin. That's the thing that the horse has never seen before. But the history of all of the other things is also going to kind of play into that and how that kind of pans out for for each individual horse and each individual situation. The horse may develop a fear of going into the arena the horse may develop a fear association with the halter and leader. They may develop a fear association with being in your presence, which of course is super bad news for our relationship, not something we want to have happen. Now, our horses are going to try and avoid things that make them feel frightened. So the behaviours that we're likely to see as a result of this, so down the track, as a result of this fear association having been made, other horse possibly wanting to avoid being caught, possibly wanting to avoid going into the arena, possibly be reluctant to approach or to have an active fear response to anything that looks remotely like a tarpaulin. We might see the horse try and avoid the halter and lead rope. Or well, they might try and avoid being with us too, and that's when our relationship can really suffer. So how can we make sure that our horse has a pleasurable or at the very least a relatively neutral emotional response to his next first experience? Well it all comes down to planning and preparation. Planning, planning, planning. Let's say our goal is to be able to take our horse on an off-property trail ride with lots of other horses. Our first task is going to be to list out all of the things that our horse needs to be able to do or to be able to cope with in order to cope well in that environment. So for this example, it's going to be things like being able to be calm, comfortable and responsive when being ridden in all gates at home. To be able to go out on a trail ride from home if that's an option for you. To be Calm and comfortable and responsive when encountering the types of obstacles that you might meet on a trail ride, so things like ditches or streams or bridges or gates or logs. Being able to be ridden in company at all gates, and that might just be having friends come over and ride in your arena at the same time that you're riding. Being able to travel in the horse float or trailer. Being calm and comfortable and responsive. When being ridden in different locations. So for example, a friend's house or out on your local trails. Being calm and comfortable when standing tied to a horse float or in a yard adjacent to a horse float. Being calm and comfortable traveling to and being ridden at different locations. Being calm and comfortable when separated from their normal companions. So the idea is to think of as many things as you can to put on this list. And then we want to go down through each item on the list and figure out where our horse is at currently and where we want our horse to be in order for them to cope really well with this goal that we've set. So in our case, for our goal of being able to trail ride away from home out in a big group of horses. And as we go down the list, we want to determine where those gaps are. And then we want to spend our training time focusing on training that's going to close those gaps. So if, for example, we identify that we've never actually ridden our horse in the company of other horses, then that's a gap that we're going to want to close before we go out into a strange environment, in a strange situation, and then require our horse to cope with a whole load of other horses being ridden around them. So we want to start with what our horse can do, so let's say our horse is really calm and comfortable and responsive when being ridden in the arena at home. So we might invite a friend around to have one other horse ride in the arena at the same time as our horse and then as our horse gets used to that and that's happened a couple of times and our horse is able to be calm and comfortable and responsive in that situation, we might add another couple of horses to the arena, so it's starting to get busier, but we're still in that safe space that the horses generally comfortable in. And then we might be able to go on a trail ride, a local trail ride with our friend or in the company of one or two other horses. And so we're gradually going to build up their exposure to being ridden and being calm and comfortable and responsive in the presence of other horses. We don't just want to drop them in that situation on the day that we want to go on that trail ride when they have no prior experience at all of being ridden in company with other horses. So that's the idea of creating this list and really segregating each of the little things that our horse has to be able to do out and focusing on the ones where we've got gaps to close those gaps before we take our horse out on the trail ride. So by doing this and by sort of systematically going through our list, We are going to prepare our horse to cope well with that new situation that we're going to put them in and set them up to develop ideally pleasurable or at the very least neutral emotional associations with that new situation, assuming that everything goes to plan. So next, we want to ask ourselves, what could possibly go wrong? Now, I want you to go a bit crazy here. And brainstorm all of the different possibilities because the idea is to do a bit of a risk assessment and to then be able to take action steps to prevent each of those things from happening. So, in our example, what could possibly go wrong? Well, we could blow a tyre on the highway and be stuck on the side of a busy highway with our horse for hours, stuck in the float. Another horse might kick our horse, our horse could get injured. Some other horses might suddenly gallop away and our horse might panic. Our horse could get loose whilst they're tied up in a strange place. We could be late to arrive and then be rushing to get ready on time, which could sort of set us up for a trigger stacking situation. What we want to do once we've got our crazy wild list of all of the random things that can happen. And the more experience that you've had with horses, I'm sure the more ideas you might have of all the possible things that could go wrong. But what we want to then do is to look at each one in turn and say, okay, how can I prevent that thing from happening? So if we look at the example of having an accident or having a tyre blowout on a highway, well, one of the things that we can do to prevent that from happening is to make sure that our vehicle and our Float or our trailer are regularly serviced and do a check over a day or so before we go to load up our horse, so we've got time to fix anything that's wrong. We could also pick an event that's relatively close to home, so that we're not driving long distances. Because obviously, the longer that we're driving, the higher the risk that there could be an accident or something go wrong whilst we're travelling. So those are some things that we could do to reduce the risk of something happening. The other thing that we can do is think about what steps we can take in the event that something still happened to reduce the impact on our horse emotionally because we want to reduce the chance that our horse is going to make a negative emotional association with that situation. So in the event that we're stuck on the side of the highway Ideally, what do we want our horse to do? I'd like my horse to stand there calmly and eat hay in the float. So if I can put some time in before we go anywhere, making sure that my horse is comfortable standing in a float whilst the float is stationary. So the vehicle is running, but the float is stationary. Sometimes horses can find that difficult. They're all right if the vehicle's moving, but when it's stationary, they get a bit antsy because they anticipate coming out. So relax, stand, eat hay and not have an issue with the fact that the float is stationary and be able to do that for long periods of time. So that's something that we can work on. That's something that we can practice beforehand. And the other thing that we can do is to make sure when we do go, we take way more hay than we actually need so that in the event that everything goes pear-shaped, we've got a lot of hay on hand that our horse can just calmly munch their way through and hopefully stay relaxed during, you know, whatever shenanigans we have to do in order to fix the situation. The other thing that we can look at doing is exposing our horse to lots of different types of traffic. So when our horse is first getting used to the float, you know, we're going to just float around the property where there's no traffic and then we're going to go out the gate and there'll be quiet traffic and, then we can go to slightly busier and busier roads until eventually we can get to, you know, a four-lane highway. Now, it's really likely that none of these things are going to happen. But The more things that we've thought through and taken action to reduce the risk of them happening and taken action to reduce the impact on a horse in the event that they do happen, then the less likely our horse is to develop a negative emotional association with that situation. By now, you might be starting to feel that you've got a really long list of things that you need to organise or teach your horse before you can even think about going out on your trail ride. But I'd like to invite you to just breathe and embrace this opportunity to work with your horse on these things. Time spent getting this stuff solid is never wasted. There can be a lot of pressure on equestrians, especially those of us with young or green horses, to just get on with it, to just start doing the thing already instead of endlessly preparing. But I caution you against falling into this trap. It can feel really good to start doing the thing, but if we just enter the show or haul our horse out for a trail ride without planning or preparing for all of the different elements, that our horse needs to know to be able to cope with that situation well, then we're not setting our horse up for success. And potentially it can end up with our horse being really overwhelmed and frightened and making negative emotional associations with that situation that can be really difficult to overcome. And once that happens, it can actually set us back quite a lot. And it can mean that reaching our goal of a calm, willing partner going out on a trail ride can take far, far longer to achieve. So my challenge for everyone is to have a really good look at a goal that you're working towards with your horse or something new that you're wanting to do with your horse and to break down the doing of that thing into all of the different components that your horse has to do In order to do that thing well and for the day to go smoothly, then ask yourself, or if you're not sure, go and ask your horse, where are we at with this? And figure out where you're at right now with your horse and where you need to be. And if there's a gap, those are the things that I want you to prioritize your training time working on. Because by narrowing those gaps, You're going to make it more and more likely that your horse will be able to cope with the situation calmly and remain responsive during the day and ultimately that they're going to be able to make pleasant or at the very least neutral emotional associations with that situation in the event that everything goes to plan. Now, especially if you have a green horse or a young horse or a horse that is doing something for the first time, I really encourage you to do the what could possibly go wrong exercise. To really make sure that you're as prepared as you can be to reduce the chances of anything going wrong, and to prepare your horse to cope optimally in the event that something does go wrong. And By doing this, we're going to reduce the likelihood that your horse creates a negative emotional association with that situation in the event that something does go wrong and it all goes pear shaped. To wrap up, I'd like to reiterate the key points that we've discussed. Firstly, one of the things that our amazing brain does is make associations between an emotional experience and a situation or an element in the environment like an object or a person. And the stronger the emotions, the stronger the association that's made. Secondly, emotions around a first experience of anything are going to be hardwired into the memory of that experience and are particularly resistant to change. Traumatic first experiences can have long-lasting damaging effects So, it's particularly important that we do everything we can to make sure that our horse has calm, uneventful first experiences. Thirdly, planning, planning, planning. (laughs) Help reduce the chance of your horse making a negative emotional association with the situation by planning for everything going right and then planning for everything going wrong. And lastly, Remember that this stuff applies to every relationship, not just the one with your horse. If you have students or children in your life, this might be particularly applicable to helping them create pleasurable emotional associations with things that they're going to need to cope with in their life. Taking your toddler to the hairdresser, for example, might fall into this category. well it has been a pleasure thank you for joining me in what has been episode seven of the my horse taught me that podcast i look forward to coming to your eardrums soon with episode eight where we will be talking more about horse behavior horse human relationships and training techniques that not only help you build an amazing relationship with your horse but with the other animals and people in your life too If you've enjoyed this episode or found the information valuable, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. But more importantly, please don't keep it to yourself. Share this podcast with your friends and help me share it with the world by leaving a five-star rating or review. It really helps other people find the podcast too. It took me decades to learn that having the bond and relationship I dreamt of with my horses would only happen once I understood what they truly needed and learned to read the nuances of their body language, interpret it correctly, and respond to it so that they felt understood. I would be honoured to share what I've learned with you through my online program, Learn to Speak Horse. Doors are currently open for the program. So if this sounds like the solution you have been waiting for, don't wait around because enrolment is closing this thursday head on over to www.equestrianbalance.com.au forward slash services and follow the link for the learn to speak horse program i look forward to seeing you on the inside lastly a big thank you to music unlimited for our groovy soundtrack